Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you about Mike Ricksecker, of course. Mike is the author of a number of works, including A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, Eight Historic Paranormal Books, plus Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. He has appeared on many television programs as a paranormal historian. He also produces an Internet Supernatural-based show on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel and is the producer and director of the docuseries The Shadow Dimension. Here he is back on Coast to Coast. Michael, great job on this book, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. Thank you, George. I really appreciate that. It was uh, really kind of a, a love affair <laughs> to cover this material since I would uh, spent three years in Alaska as a, as a young man when I was in the Air Force. So uh, thank you very much. It, there's no Alaska in that triangle? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because the area of the triangle is elusive. It's, it's, Nome doesn't really fall within it, but uh, the way that the triangle works, it's not perfectly... Uh, a lot. Of, we pick three points and and say, okay, here's here's the triangle. But really, a lot of activity falls outside of that as well. It's more globular in nature. So, in that case, then Nome does fall within it. You you say in your book, sixteen thousand plus people have merely vanished and disappeared. My God, where did they go? Yeah, exactly. That's the that's a huge question. You know, what happened to them? Yeah, sure. You know, some of these people, you know, uh, you know, got lost off the trail. Some of them purposely <laughs> try to get lost. But, you know, the, the number is so astronomically high, especially considering how sparsely populated Alaska is that, you know, people have to start scratching their heads and wondering, where did these people go? And I, I tried to shed some light on that in this book, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. Is the triangle a um, geographical anomaly uh, is it something supernatural? What do you think it is? Yeah, it's really the supernatural activity that occurs there is is happening because of the geological anomalies there. So this is an area much like the Bermuda Triangle and other areas of the world like the Dragon Triangle and, and what have you, where you, know, you have that vortex energy welling up from the Earth's core, that, that magnetism that supercharges the area and you start having all of this bizarre activity with the disappearances, heightened paranormal activity. You have these different cryptid sightings, heightened UFO sightings, and, and all these different phenomena are occurring within this area. Would you say that there could be other triangle-type elements around the planet? Oh, absolutely. Beyond yeah. just you know the, the obvious ones that we just talked about? Yeah, there are certainly going to be hidden ones that we're not quite aware of yet that, uh, you know, people people will say, well, you know, strange things occur and happen in this area. And as we become more aware of this type of phenomena, we're going to start, you know, uh, you know connecting the dots there in, in other areas as well. What is it about that shape, the triangle, the points that uh, seem to be so interesting? You know... If you think about it, we have other structures around the world that are in similar that are in similar type shapes. You know, you you look at the pyramids, uh, you you look at uh, you know imagery of, of the all-seeing eye on top of the pyramid, and so uh, these triangle shapes are, are very important to our our cosmology and uh, you know that uh, uh, sacred geometry. 
1973, House Majority Leader at the time, Hale Boggs, disappeared with a guest's father of ours, Congressman uh, Nick Begich Sr., and they never found the plane. It's gone. And I believe that plane disappeared in that triangle. It did. Yeah, it, it disappeared in the Portage Pass, never to be seen again. Absolutely tragic incident. Uh, no wreckage or anything's ever been found of it since then. Uh, you know, they had thousands of people out there scouring the area. They brought in spy planes to survey the area, and nothing was ever found. It just completely disappeared. And this is something that happens up there in that area where planes like that go missing. Now, that was a, it was a small Cessna plane, but then you have larger ones like a huge Douglas Skymasters that go missing as well. Let's assume for a moment they fly into some kind of dimension or something, whatever it could be, a portal or something. What do you think is on the other side? I mean, are they still alive, trapped, trying to get back, or what, what's happening to them? Yeah, that's an excellent question, George, and I'm, I'm happy you asked that uh, because th- that's a great question of where do they go? If, if there is a portal that opens, what's on the other side of that? And, you know, I do believe that they, at least for a time, survived on the other side. A lot of these disappearances happened a long time ago, and they've, they've probably passed away since then. Uh, if we can assume for a moment that some of these portals are opening into maybe not another dimension, perhaps they open to another place in time. And we'll just you know throw a number out there. What if this portal opened and sent the airplane back 500 years into the past? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could possibly happen, but or, or into the future, or into the future. Yes, it could. They could. We may see them yet, still, sometime down the road. But think, five hundred years ago, the people that are in the area at the time, the, the native Inuits and Tinglets, um, if they look up in the sky and suddenly see this massive airplane screaming overhead, what do they suddenly believe they're witnessing? You. You hear all these legends, read all the legends about the Thunderbirds at the time. What if some of these Thunderbird sightings from hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, are actually our airplanes from today that have gone through one of those portals? That's an interesting thought, that uh, you go back into time and the ancients see these. And, of course, the individuals who are in the planes are human. They have to eat. They have to do that. So if they can't do that... They eventually will perish, but, but you know, if they get into another dimension or another, you know, maybe another universe, a multiverse, and, uh, and they're existing right now, but they just can't get back again, that would be bizarre. Yeah, it, it's a scary thought. And, you know, what's interesting, like I've, I've mentioned the Douglas Skymaster. Uh, that, that occurred in 1950. And in that particular case, just after the plane went missing, there was some garbled uh, radio chatter that was picked up. We could never really affirm that it came from that Douglas Skymaster, but many believe that it did. And people wonder, okay, if the plane disappeared through a portal into another dimension, why are we still hearing the sound? And what I try to, to assess from that is, well, the sound is working on a different wavelength. So we may still hear it through that portal for a short period of time, which is 
really an even scarier thought because, okay, we're, we can possibly still hear from these people, but we wouldn't be able to find them because they're still in that other dimension and we can't access that. Mike, there was a Twilight Zone episode called Little Girl Lost, and it was about a little girl who was in bed, and she somehow stumbled out of bed and fell into another opening into another dimension. And she was she couldn't get back. And but you could hear her voice on the other side and her parents woke up and they could hear things like mommy daddy where are you? Mommy daddy where are you? And they w- ran into her bedroom of course and they couldn't find her but they could hear the voice coming from behind the wall which was this dimension. Well then the father was playing around with the wall, put his hand through this dimension, and his whole arm disappeared. And it was on, then they, they took a picture of it on the other side. You could see like the arm coming through what, what would have been a wall from the other dimension's perspective. And so he was able to go in and grab his little girl and bring her back. And uh, I'm wondering if that could be something like this, where they just can't find the opening that they came in from. Yeah, and I believe that may be the case with, with some of these disappearances, is they end up traveling through that portal, and they can't find their way back. They don't know where that opening was. Uh, that's not going to be an immediate thought on, in their mind that, oh, we just traveled through a portal into another dimension. But, yeah, when you hear... I mean, that's a, that's a bizarre episode of The Twilight Zone, but, you know, does that, does that give us some insight into the idea of, you know, of, of ghosts and spirits that we hear from the other side? Are we just hearing them from another dimension or from another place in, in time that is echoing into our existence? Outside of your book, are the residents of Alaska familiar with this triangle? They are. They are. When I spent time up there, uh, I was stationed up there uh, for three years, 1992 to 1995, and they didn't call it the Alaska Triangle back then, but uh, people talked about the strange incidents that occurred up there, whether it was uh, UFOs or Sasquatch sightings and, or you know, a lot of these uh, missing people cases. They, they definitely talk about it up there. What do the locals think? What do they think is going on? Well, you know, they have their, their different legends and lore that, that they've assessed about it. You know, the, uh, the, the Native Alaskans, the Inuit, uh, you know, have a lot of stories and, and legends about uh, some of these different creatures uh, that are up there. Uh, you know, they're, whether it's a, uh, you know, the Hairy Man or the Sasquatch, some of those uh, different types of legends, or they have legends of, of little people. And, you know, there's a uh, bizarre story of, uh, of a young boy that was just, there were some hunters that were, uh, you know, out in, it was near, uh, what are the mountain ranges? Uh, it was Pilcher. And all of a sudden they discovered this little boy, no tracks around him in the snow. And, you know, they went over to him to, of course, warm him up. Uh, and they asked him where he had been, where did he come from? And he stated that he had been inside uh, the nearby mountain for some time with these little people. And, you know, he kind of described them as these short gnome-type creatures. And, and he said that he had met a little girl there who had been within that mountain for 40 years wow. but had not aged. 
And so it was a very, very bizarre story uh, of how he had basically went to a place there in Alaska that did not experience time. And, of course, he reappeared and manifested out into the open uh, without any tracks around him. So he didn't just walk into the spot where they found him. He appeared there. In the Bermuda Triangle area, Mike, they have talked about a green mist which seems to be permeating the entire region. Does that come up at all in Alaska? Uh, yeah, not so much the, the mist, but there are parallels that are drawn between uh, Alaska and the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, you hear the you know, Bruce Gernon's experience there, uh, where he experienced the, uh, the, the vortex activity and basically flew right through a spiraling tunnel of uh, basically the, the cloud turned into a tunnel that he flew through and he had experienced you know a flight that usually took him an hour and a half and you know something like three minutes so things like that happen up there as well it is amazing how much we don't know about planet earth isn't it oh there's plenty that we don't know we're still discovering new things each and every day and you know in, in a place like Alaska, the Alaska Triangle, that's, you know, quite out of the way. It's, it's an extremely large location. People don't really realize it's two and a half times the size of Texas. You know, they, they look at the map and they see it kind of placed in the corner. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's the United States and oh, yeah, Alaska, too. But, no, the, the place is, is massive. And there's, uh, you know, because it is so sparsely populated, there are many, many things up there that we still have yet to discover. Is HARP still beaming its signals uh, into the uh, ionosphere? <laughs> they are uh, no longer run by the, uh, the U.S. military, so it's exclusively the University of Alaska Fairbanks. But they were involved with it uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s, so they've always had a, a foothold there. And, uh, you know, there's still that uh, that of okay, is, is uh, you know, harp changing the weather? Are mm-hmm. you know, are they uh, doing the mind control experiments? And you know, I think the idea of that's even scarier because you think of the way that you know technology has advanced in the last thirty years. You know, because you know, harp was built in 1993; it was almost thirty years ago. And today. Would we? What, could we possibly have a harp type device that, instead of that massive array that they have, it could be something in your hand? That's a good point. Do you think it could have torn something through the vortex by being no, turned I on? That, I, I think that they were using the energy of the vortex to help power it. Uh, you know, the the location up there in Alaska is, is really suited for the type of experiments that they were trying to run. Uh, you know, they're running experiments off the ionosphere, and the magnetic protection of the planet for the ionosphere is, is thinner up there. That's why you see the aurora borealis, and they actually created an artificial aurora uh, with the with the harp array up there. But you have that vortex energy there from the land, and uh, that's that's something that the Department of the Interior actually studied uh, decades ago was the magnetic activity in the area. And so they picked a highly magnetic spot to place that array. So they were harnessing the power of the triangle into 
this uh, this antenna. Well, with Mike Ricksecker, his uh, latest book is called Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. His websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com, by the way. Truly remarkable. How many planes have disappeared in this region? You know, really, it's, it's countless. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking thousands of airplanes since you know, reports go back to the 1920s. Uh, they really couldn't even tell you how many have gone down, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, you're talking thousands of airplanes. Gosh, and they're ju- they're just gone. They're just gone. Yeah, they're just gone. Some they do eventually find later on. Uh, that has happened, like I mentioned, uh, back in you know, missing planes into the 1920s. They have decades later found some of those planes, but uh, so many they they never find. I mean, is the science go up there? Are there any investigations to try to determine what the heck happened? Well, you know, they'll they'll send search teams out there for long periods of time. Uh, as far as uh, trying to make sense of it uh, scientifically, like when it comes to the the Portage Pass, uh, you know, science tells us that there is. It, it has its own little vortex within that pass that if you get too close to the walls of the mountains, that basically it'll fuck you in and crash you right into the mountain. But when it comes to, like, the Boggs baggage case, if that, had cra- if that plane had crashed into the side of the mountain, they would have found the wreckage. That's they right. They never have to this day. No, it's just like it disappeared. Poof, it's gone. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.